What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 605 of the Smart Guy Moment Smack Talk Podcast Hot Tags of the Week. We're going to break down some of the stuff that happened in the world of pro wrestling over the past few days that we feel like talking about. I am your host, as always, Tony Mango. Joining me, as always, is Caleb Wiggins. Just me today. Yeah, Rob's got some connectivity issues. That's also going to change our plan for the main event of next week. We were going to do the heat of the moment tournament. Speaking of, you know, hot tags, heat of the moment, all that stuff. I don't know what we're going to do instead. We'll figure that out in some fashion at some point today or tomorrow or whatever. I don't know. But um, Rob sends his regards. I am sure we are going to be talking about the same topics regardless about some stuff about Jade Cargill. Talk about some TV recap stuff tell you where SummerSlam or where Survivor Series is coming up later on this year, break down New Japan Strong, which uh, I did not watch, but Callum did, so he'll be able to fill me in, and we'll talk back and forth about that. And as we do that, as always, tell us what you think about these topics by leaving your uh, comments below on YouTube, and if you are elsewhere, not on YouTube, and you don't want to hop over to YouTube to do that, then send us a tweet, post something on Facebook. Go to the page on smartcatmoment.com, whatever it is that you want to do instead. So we want to know what you have to say about these things. If you are on YouTube, though, make sure you hit that little thanks button. Toss a little spare change our way if you got that in your wallet. You got the join button over there right next to subscribe, which if it doesn't say subscribed, click at it. Then you look at that. You're subscribed. That's the whole point of it. You got that little notification bell as well to know when we go live for certain things. And if you do click on that join button, you get access to the same tiers that you have over on Patreon, like the Dark Cast and the Pick Your Poison. Um, we got a Dark Cast that is already up there for July for breaking down the first part of the Heat of the Moment tournament and then diving into some other little topics here and there. But I think with our current setup being switched around, we might actually end up having that Heat of the Moment tournament be the dark cast for August or later on in July. Now that we're kind of switching up the game a little bit, but I don't know. So if you are interested in the heat of the moment tournament, make sure that you are a part of the dark cast here. And of course, if you want to pick up some merchandise, red bubble and T public for not just smart at moment, but fanboys anonymous and a mango tees. If you don't know what fanboys anonymous is go to fanboys Check out that website and see what's happening over there. Plenty of uh, crossover stuff between pro wrestling and that, but it does focus mostly on geek culture stuff like movies and comics, and video games and all that kind of good stuff there. So let's get into the hot tags we have for this. Let's talk about let's talk about some of those like oddball topics. Um, Matt Riddle and his girlfriend, Misha Montana, are expecting a baby in December. And these uh, the baby. uh the injury, the pregnancy, the um, marriage stuff, usually toss them around in the hot tags. Uh, this was not one that I was anticipating, but then again, I don't know the couple, so it's not like I could really talk much about that. But as far as I'm aware, they haven't been together for too, too long. But hey, she put out a thing on uh, that she was like at like a wrestling event holding up a sign, bro, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and uh, uh, they're expecting for December. Uh, they are, you know, the um, super king of bros and hashtag bro and, you know, all that. They're kind of continuing on that with the bro I'm pregnant thing. It would be funny as all hell if they end up naming the kid something like that. I don't think that, that would be the best course of action, but you never know. I mean, Matt Riddle seems like a character. 
there's not much to talk about on this thing. It's one of those types of topics that it's just like, hey, this is uh, this is part of the gossip crowd if they are interested in this thing. Um, you got anything to, to mention about this, Callum? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I didn't think so. But if you are interested in those things, there you go. That's one of those topics. Uh, Survivor Series, the location has been announced for this year. They're really like, they take their time for this these days. It drives me nuts because it ends up being like, in years past, we would know Survivor Series by around the time of the previous Survivor Series. And I'd start at the end of the year and I'd, you know, plan out all the pay-per-view posts and all the podcasts and all. And we would know pretty much all the information. And you look at the pay-per-view schedule right now for WWE and for 2024, like even we don't know like anything at all. We've know that Royal Rumble will come around at some point and we know WrestleMania. That's all we know for 2024. And then for 2023, we're at a point now where we don't know what's happening with a lot of these pay-per-views that they haven't done yet. Like they, they didn't do an NXT in your house. They haven't mentioned heat wave. We don't know what's happening with uh, Halloween Havoc or Crown Jewel or whatever. But now we do know that Survivor Series is happening on the uh, <clears throat> or not on the at the Allstate Arena in Chicago. That's going to be November 25th. And they're going to kind of continue that on Allstate Arena is going to have uh, SmackDown as well. So if you're in the Chicago area and you want to pick up some tickets for Survivor Series, that's going to be on pre-sale starting Wednesday, July 19th. I know Drew reached out and he was like, oh, is everybody interested in going there? So I don't know if we're going to be able to get the guys together to go do that in some point. But Survivor Series right now doesn't seem like it's necessarily being advertised as war games. And I think that that's even more interesting of a topic here is is it going to be or is it not going to be? And I would prefer it not to be. How do you feel about that? Do you think we should keep uh, Survivor Series as a war games thing or go back to what we've done before? Um, I mean, I don't really, I don't really mind one way or the other. It doesn't as long as the feud going into it are good. It doesn't matter to me if it's war games or traditional Survivor Series thing. Because I know you like the war. I mean, everybody kind of likes the war games match. Like it's. It's a hell of a fun match, but it just doesn't seem like it fits to me in that. It seems like that should be held for, we talked about it before, like, you know, Hell in a Cell shouldn't just be clockwork. Oh, it's it's October or it's June, so we got to do Hell in a Cell and we have to shoehorn something in there. Especially if the bloodline's broken up, I don't even know what we would get for war games. It's just a random smattering of people, then you might as well just do a regular Survivor Series then, right? You know? Sure, but they seem connected to the war game stipulation now, so so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we got one war games match, even if it's just like the one and it is just a, a slightly different approach to it, where it is just you know the random collection of people that you would get from a traditional Survivor Series match, but they just decide to put them in war games. I can I could definitely see that happening. Kind of combine the two, maybe make it like a war games elimination thing or something, maybe. Oh, yeah. No, well, just just do it the same way that you would do for like just you know it's five people that are in kind of individual feud with each other that they're going to be put into war games rather than hmm. just a regular five series match. Maybe I mean it doesn't rule out the idea that it is going to be war games. They like they haven't said one way or the other. That's the thing is it's 
up on there as just WWE Survivor Series 2023 pre-sale registration and all. The graphics are not really posted on there. It doesn't say War Games, but they could just, you know, announce it ahead of time. Um, I do think that they probably had War Games planned for the whole Bloodline thing, and then maybe this time that they're getting around to it, they're like, well, maybe we don't need to bother with that anymore, but we're saving it for another time or something. So that's something to keep an eye on. Maybe that tells us one thing about the booking. Maybe it tells us something else. I've been saying before, I think that the bloodline is probably just going to reform. And if that happens, then we almost assuredly would get that. Cause we maybe around that time we get like bloodline versus the, uh, the OC and some people, or maybe we get the reformation of the hurt business or I don't know, but at least now we know where and when survivor series is taking place. So, uh, once I get done doing the podcast, I'm going to update all the stuff on smartcatmoment.com. You'll see you'll, uh, your handy dandy pay-per-view schedule list with all the new information about that. And I think that the rest of the topics I got are things that we can mostly talk about with the TV stuff outside of new Japan and Jade Cargill. Um, so let's toss the Jade Cargill thing out there because that is one that's uh, on the shorter side. Been a lot of chatter from her recently since her loss, a lot of things like maybe I'll stay away from pro wrestling. And I don't know if this is necessarily her just being like, you know, playing the audience and kind of getting people to just talk for the sake of talking, or maybe there's something there. I don't know. But there are more and more reports that there's no timetable for her return, that, uh, you know, maybe she wants to get into Hollywood a little bit more or to do some things just completely outside of what she called the wrestling bubble. When do you think we'll see... Cargill return, or do you think she actually might end up leaving? Um, it's kind of a who can say type of thing. Um, I don't think she will come back particularly soon. I could totally envision a scenario where she's not back until next year because she was like n- not wrestling super often, but she was like a champion for well over a year and was prominently positioned on a lot of big shows leading up to that. And like she wants to take a, a break now. And I think that she's the sort of character that probably could benefit from some time away to then build up another winning streak rather than just going straight forward from, you know, dropping that title and then moving into either a world championship uh, run or something else entirely. I think the breakaway gives opportunity for other women to get the spotlight and then when she does make a return if she if when she does make a return it will be a bigger deal if she's away for a longer period of time so so yeah i'm totally cool with the idea of her not returning until 2024 you know i'm despite the fact that i would like to see her obviously continue to do like good stuff and continue to improve in the ring and be a focal point and i mentioned before that like i thought that she was somebody that could help fight the outcasts and be a part of like that AEW original crew and all. I kind of would rather her stay away. Cause I think that they're in a position right now where the Goldberg treatment is tough. Like WCW screwed up Goldberg. WWE screwed up Oscar and AEW screwed up Wardlow. If Cardgill, uh, Cardgill returns super fast and they don't have anything good enough for her 
she's just going to be another person on the roster and she's not going to feel special anymore. So maybe taking some time away, maybe that rejuvenates her a little bit. You know, if she is potentially just telling the truth when she says outside the wrestling bubble is nice, I might stay. Maybe she's a little burned out and maybe being away will end up being her like reinvigorating kind of process. But it also could just be absence makes the heart grow fonder. And then the crowds are like really wanting Jade to come back. And then when she does, they give her a really big pop. They really want to see her win that championship and they're not sick and tired of her. Or it could just be a matter of, hey, you wait long enough and people forget that she lost and she seems like she's bulletproof again. You know what I mean? I think it's probably the best course of action. Yeah, I think like that's probably a simple way of doing it. You tell the story that she goes away for a while. She she basically comes to terms with the first loss that she suffered. She spends time away. She gets you tell the story that she's gone stronger, like faster, better all around. Just tell that story. Then when she does come back, you start her up from as much ground zero again, but you just start her beating jobbers ridiculously quickly. Move her back up the ranks, go on another undefeated streak, potentially win the women's title if that's the direction they want to go in. And then when she loses again, you can pretty much maybe start the whole process over again. Again, this is completely dependent on whether she does want to come back or not. Maybe she just like is happy with the run that she had and is ready to take another step in her career. It's not like she didn't have a career prior to AEW and she might want a, a different career after that or might want to stay away for a significant, a significantly longer period of time. But... Yeah, for all we know, she could have been contracted for, I don't know when her uh, deal ends, but it could just be like, all right, I did this, I went through the experiment, I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it enough to make that my career for the next 20 years, and I put myself on the map more, and now I want to be just a fitness model and an actress and whatever else she wants to do. It could just be that, and you know, despite how we are in that wrestling bubble, it's okay for people to do that if they decide that they don't want to do it anymore. And plenty of people have come into wrestling, not wanting to be a wrestler. Plenty of people have left wrestling, wanting to be wrestlers their entire lives. And then they ended up finding something else that ended up being their biggest passion, whether it was like, you know, music or acting or even just like owning their own gym for all we know. Hell, fucking some people like Snitsky just run like a military shop or, you know, I mean, it happens. It's uh, pro wrestling's not the be all end all for everybody in the world. And Jade is somebody who's got a lot of potential that she can tap into and a lot of different things. So we might have seen the end of her in AEW or she might pop around in three weeks for all we know. I don't know. We'll have to see, but at least the more chatter that she has about not returning, the more interesting it is that maybe she actually doesn't return. So stay tuned for that. But you're talking about her coming back stronger. Let's talk about New Japan Strong. Doesn't involve her at all, but it involves quite a bit of other people in two nights for Independence Day. We got some title changes. We got some... Matches that I'm sure are worth watching uh, that you can fill us in on. We got some people getting skewers on the top of their head. <laughs> it uh, seems like it's kind of a catch-all. Yeah, I'll, I'll say a uh, disclaimer. I haven't watched all matches yet because I just haven't had time to. I've mainly just followed a lot of the results or a lot of the clips online. Checked out a couple of the matches, but nothing 
like over the top in that regard. But the results themselves are interesting enough and they speak their own way. So New Japan Strong have their two shows in Currican Hall. So this wasn't a US show. This, Despite it being Independence Day, this was both shows were in Japan. <laughs> As uh, one does. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, on a like, Tuesday and Wednesday night to celebrate the like, 4th of July and then the 5th of July following it, having two shows. So I won't go through the just the, the nothing matters results at the end the start of the show because that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But the big results from night one were uh, Bullet Club War Dogs of Alice Cuff- Coughlin and Gabriel Kidd defeated Bishamon, Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto to win the New Japan Strong Open White Tag Team titles, which is a big vote of confidence to this new iteration of Bullet Club defeating... New Japan's currently most established tag team who had won both the New Japan, the IWGP and the New Japan Strong Openweight Tag Titles in that uh, freeway match at Dominion. So now they had one half of the tag titles and then Bullet Club, War Dogs' team of uh, Clark Connors and, and Driller Maloney defeated uh, Catch 2-2, uh, Francesco Akira and TJP to win the junior tag team titles. So now Bullet Club has... Well, the five core members of the new Bullet Club in uh, New Japan all have championships, so they're immediately trying to push them heavy to get going, which is which is the right way to do it. And then in the main event was a Doomsday No DQ match, which uh, paired uh, El Desperado and a, like a Japanese deathmatch legend Jun Kasai in his uh, a guy who's been wrestling in like death matches and a lot of uh, New Japan uh, Japanese independence for got about 25 plus years and this was his first ever match for new japan huh. uh, against uh, john moxley and homicide so they defeated moxley and homicide that's where that clip that has been going around <laughs> of uh moxley with a bunch of skewers in his head coming from which i when i first saw that i didn't see any kind of text around it or any kind of context around it either like i just saw a picture of moxley with these things sticking out of his head and i thought that it was pasta mm-hmm. and i was like oh okay you're now getting how did you even do that without the pasta breaking off and all. I guess I was just hungry at the time, but now that I know that it's skewers, man, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what he gets out of it, but if he's having fun, <laughs> then I guess he's having fun. You know? Yeah, I mean, he clearly does because yeah, I don't, I don't, you wouldn't do it. Otherwise. Yeah, he's volunteering himself for it. <laughs> yeah, but he, he just gets the fruit out of it. So yeah, a few interesting results. Mainly just again this reestablishment of Bullet Club now. I'm trying to give them a, a push off the back of that. And then on the second night, we've had a f- even more interesting results. Um, the main one being, well, the main two being is um, uh, Julia of Stardom defeated Were Nightingale to win the New Japan Strong uh, Women's Championship. So she's now the second champion. You would assume that down the road, this would lead to a Julia versus Mercedes Monet match for the title. Or probably like either a big stardom show or maybe a big New Japan show as well, because that Julia's now tied in with the New Japan thing a little bit more closely. But yeah, from all accounts, this was a, this was a good match. I haven't actually gone to check this one out yet to see how good it was, but knowing ha- how these two are, and I'm big fans of both, I'm sure it was a very good match. Do you think that that was potentially their goal to begin with, was that they would have Mercedes win the belt and then fight Julia? Oh, yeah, I'm sure that Julia is probably top of mind for, like, New Japan as a person they'd want to push. 
So, yeah, I think that the, the goal was to have Mercedes Monet be the first champion. I don't know whether she would have necessarily lost it in her, um, it's certainly not Willow's first defence, but she's only been champion for like a month or so before dropping the title here. So I don't think that it may have gone that quickly, but I think the long-term goal was probably to do Julia versus Mercedes at some point. So, yeah, I'm going to look forward to that when that happens. Um, there was the IWGP Tag Team Titles match, which was a, a complete... Uh, the same as the previous night's one. So it was Bishamon versus Bullet Club War Dogs again. Uh, only this time Bishamon got the victory. So they're staying as the IWGP Tag Champions, where the War Dogs are going to be the New Japan Strong Tag Team Champions, which I think is probably the best uh, the best decision all round. And then probably the most, um, well, the most celebrated result, the result that everyone's gone uh, excited about the most, is Eddie Kingston defeating Kenta to become the New Japan Strong Openweight Champion. That's yeah, definitely the thing that I've seen more talk about online. That was like the the big headline was him holding up the championship belt. Yeah, again, by all counts, it was a very good match. Kenta obviously isn't at the level that he was beforehand, so he can't really wrestle the same sort of as physical and um, athletically impressive a match as he could have done like five ten years ago. But still, by all counts, very good match and Kingston's. Like the emotions that he demonstrated upon winning the title and then his backstage promo afterwards, like everyone was super excited and happy for him and it's great to see. I think this probably, I mean, obviously we knew that he wasn't going to be competing against uh, Claudio Castagnoli for the um, for the Ring of Honor title with the next big show because he's going to be doing the G1. It adds a bit more of a, a layer to his G1 matches in that... Now, if someone pins him during the G1, then they get an opportunity at the New Japan Strong Open White Championship because that's the way they do things in New Japan. So we could see someone interesting come off the back of that. Anybody that stands out to you? Um, I'm trying to see. I'm, I need to check who's in um, his G1 his block. So I need to see that. Second. Try to bring it up as well. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> it's a... So he is in uh, he's in C block. So his opponents in C block are David Finlay, Tomohiro Ishii, Evil, Tamatonga, Shingo Takagi, Aaron Hanare, uh, Mikey Eddie, Nichols, yeah, and Michael Nichols of the uh, of for, formerly TM six one. Um, I'd say out of all of those ones, the one that I think would be most likely, to, well, the two that I think would be most likely to win the strong championship from him. Would be either David Finlay, but he's currently a champion as well, so maybe they don't decide to go in that direction, or probably Aaron Hanare. I'd say seems mm. like the one of the more outsider ones. But Shingo's already a big star <clears> in New <throat> Japan. I don't think they'd want to make him the strong champion. Not to say that strong is a relegation, but I don't think he would necessarily need to have that title. He's prominently positioned. Ishii is potential, but I think that again, he's, I don't know whether they want to give him, make him the head of that side of things. But then again, stranger things have happened. Evil, that's mainly just a hope of not it being evil. <laughs> Again, it's just, it's just, it, I just don't click with what he's done since leaving NIJ. So, and Tom Tonga's baby face, I don't know. And also, I think he's got bigger fish to fry. Um, Hanare is someone who they have given a few opportunities at some titles in the past. Um, like he's gone after Shingo Takagi's King of Pro Wrestling title when he was champion then, and he's had a few other title shots, but he's never really broken through yet. So maybe they would utilize Eddie Kingston's great popularity and to, in order to 
give him that first big title win of his career. So Tanaro is the one that I'd lean more towards at the moment. So, so yeah, the three that I would say a potential were Panare, Finley, and Ishii. If they if they just want to go with a big Kingston Ishii match that's like full of respect and t- Ishii is able to withstand Kingston in the end. Because I would think, I mean, with my limited knowledge of, I mean, I couldn't even tell you who Aaron Hanari is, for instance. I would think that Ishii would stand out to me as somebody that they would potentially want to have be that type of guy because it is like he's been doing more on like the American side of it. Like I've seen him pop up more in AEW recently and developed a little bit more of a fandom in that fashion. And, you know, I mean, maybe Finley, maybe whatever. Or maybe it just doesn't play out that way. too. could always just be that they don't really follow that up as much. Yeah, I wasn't anticipating a couple weeks ago if you would have said like the trajectory of some of these belts, I wouldn't have been like, oh, well, then Kingston probably is the guy that beats Kenta, you know, <laughs> but then again, I, I don't know the context of that stuff either. So I'm not the I'm not an authority that would be able to speak on that topic. <laughs> it is an interesting dynamic now that now that he's that champion. So he's now got that world title or like equivalent of world title that he's kind of craved for a long time in his career. And now that we know as well that Claudio is actually defending the Ring of Honor World Championship against Mark Briscoe at the at a, the next show. Oh, we, that's Mark Briscoe. I didn't even know that that was confirmed. Yeah, they announced that on the uh, latest episode of Ring of Honor. Uh, so, it would help if I watched that show, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so Briscoe- uh, Death Before Dishonor is coming up in a couple weeks, so they do have to pretty much get on the ball with that. But that's yeah. the only match that's announced, I think, right? Uh, currently, yeah, I believe that's the only one that uh, that we're 100% sure is happening at the very least. So, so yeah, I could, Bris- I could see Briscoe winning that. Oh, yeah, I absolutely could see him win it as well. And, they've, and um, they even had a like a clip of Eddie Kingston with the New Japan Strong Championship uh, like on the Ring of Honor show and him essentially talking via satellite to Mark Briscoe saying, this is your opportunity, be the... Like, I want you to win the world championship. So, mm. essentially, like, okay, he's now... I'd say washing his hands of Claudio, but he's saying that he's endorsing Briscoe as a potential champion. They had a really good promo segment between him and uh, Claudio backstage, where Claudio... Because where, uh, Mark's basically saying he wants to follow in his brother's footsteps and become a world champion in Ring of Honor. And then uh, Claudio just came out and basically said, the, the Mark Briscoe I knew never like followed his brother's footsteps he always stood by his side and that just shows to me that you've become weak hmm. so yeah he got really kind of in-depth and personal about it so yeah i'm interested in the match i think that there is a very good possibility that especially considering the fact that that show takes place days after blood and guts that you can play into the story of claudio being exhausted and beaten up after blood and guts and so mark's able to just fight through it like show that underdog spirit and get the victory. Well, that, I think, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, I think it also, and a lot of people might just either raise eyebrows brows about this as well. I think it opens up a much wider discussion that Eddie Kingston is a potential person to beat MJF for the world title. Really? Hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think now they've given him this title to kind of, and obviously he's part of the G1 to just hold him over for a few months time. 
and if they're not going to have him win the Ring of Honor title, potentially, if they decide that they're just going to have Mark Briscoe win it instead or go in a different direction, I think that uh, there's a groundswell of support behind... I mean, there's always been a big groundswell of support behind Kingston as a as a top baby face anyway, but I think that, that's only going to grow once people either see hear back from his um, encounters at the G1 or when he comes back and probably has that big feud with Moxley. Like if he was to come back and win that feud with Moxley, then I think you kind of have to see him as a as a major contender for the title. I'm not necessarily that he's the person that will be MJF, but I could definitely see him having a big a big title match with MJF towards the end of the year. Yeah, I still don't think that he would be their go to pick to win that belt, but there's a feud there that they have to tap into. Whether it's just like a temporary feud thing where you get into a little bit of the like yeah it's like a grand slam or something you know like one of those types of uh i mean grand slam is probably coming up quicker than that i think that that's not too far away but i think that they could do that grand slam september yeah when does the g1 end uh be uh i'm not uh entirely certain i think it's it'd be towards the end of august maybe early september as well I mean, maybe that could be their way of doing it. Then could see that. You know, Grand Slam would be a good environment for that. So I definitely could see that happening. I just I don't anticipate Kingston being the guy that beats MJF. But I actually don't even think that MJF's losing that belt until like mid next year or something. Um, I know that the whole bidding war of 2024 is like the hot topic around it, but that's not necessarily going to be like, all right, cut off point. He's got to lose that belt by December, 2023 or something, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I, I don't think that they can really continue in the same trajectory of him being world champion for that long, especially again, I know we shouldn't really talk about ratings with that, that sort of like legs folks approach, but ratings haven't been improving or showing any real signs of growth with MJF as champion. So I think it's likely that he won't last the end of the year as the title holder now. So now with Mark Briscoe having this thing going on with Claudio, I think that that's worth bringing up into one of our, I don't know, maybe this will end up being the thumbnail. I don't know for sure, but a major topic to talk about for this week that gets into some of the TV talk, but kind of bounces around a little bit. There's going to be two mystery teammates for blood and guts and of course obviously we don't know who those mystery teammates are that's kind of the whole point of it being a mystery but i've seen a lot of the discussion around and you know i mean everybody's kind of on board with one person being kuda ibushi for the elite it could be mark briscoe to kind of do the whole thing with claudio being on the bcc side of it if they don't have ibushi locked up Briscoe could make sense. I'd say that at this point, it can't be anyone other than Abushi without it being. That would be like, a disappointment for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's only because like not being a disappointment. It just doesn't make sense with the story if it's not anyone other than. I know, obviously, you have Mark Briscoe going against Claudio, but that's a very Ring of Honor contained story. Yeah. It it has to be Abushi at this point. I think more than likely it is. I think that's kind of something that they had planned for a while. It seems like they've been, you know, he's kind of been teased for the company since yeah. it even like started. And I mean, of course he was, you know, under contract with new Japan and all. And 
every event that we've gotten like a forbidden door or something that it seems like it's like oh we could see him team back up with kenny omega he could do this he could do that all these different kind of variations it seems like it's now or never kind of i mean omega's promo following a latest episode of dynamite the one that's sort of like is again going around on twitter as well because it was obviously not aired everything seems to point towards it being abushi being the guy that he he's gone out and recruited to find to to yeah to be the part the the new partner in the uh to fill up the fifth spot yeah and by all accounts like he's but he's been talking to iew they've been teasing it for a while he's now seemingly back on at least cordial terms with new japan pro wrestling which means there wouldn't be that much of a impact to the relationship if he was to go to aew instead so yeah i think that yeah everything points towards it being abushi and i'm kind of just 100 percent convinced it is him because i don't think that aew doesn't have a reputation for like teasing something and then not delivering for the most part they pretty much follow through it's like it's clearly going to be cm punk and then they just go yeah it's cm punk yeah. <laughs> you know it's not like wwe does where they're like we're going to set up this idea that it's very good, clearly going to be these one or two people. And then surprise, it's just this extra person on the roster or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, unless, of course, it's a situation that they can't avoid, which, I mean, mm-hmm. you would assume that Brian Danielson was meant to be a part of the Blood and Guts match and his injury yeah. has taken him out, which leads to them having a mystery partner as well. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's where the most interesting thing happens, because with this one, it's very it feels very clear that it is Ibushi on the uh, on the on the elite side, which is obviously exciting because Bushi's great, and it'd be great to see him in AEW and reuniting with Kenny Omega. But the more interesting one is because it's not certain who would be the other member of the BCC team. Because you're right, you would have obviously assumed that Brian Danielson would have been the fifth guy, and he's only not in there because he's injured. So, so that at the moment there seems to be two possibilities: one based on what happened on the show, and one which is just me kind of speculating fantasy booking um the one that's teased based on what happened on the show is chris jericho mm-hmm. we had that whole segment with don Callis where he asked him to join the don Callis family kind of give him a maybe talked about moving on from the jericho appreciation society and sammy guevara and Dar- uh, darby Allen, uh, daniel garcia having to like you can't be underneath me and my learning tree forever you guys have to move on which is a very like it's a very babyface kind of vibe that I got from Jericho. Did you get that? Yeah, I don't know whether it was just because they were in Canada at that point, so they decided to just lean into it because they knew he was going to get kind of a good reaction anyway. I think that, yeah, I, it also could lean into the possibility of him, like, short-term joining the Don Callis family, and then, like, because they, if they inevitably don't win Blood and Guts, there could be that Jericho's kind of either at fault for that or see, or the blame is put onto Jericho and then that leads to a Jericho baby face turn and like him feuding with the BCC instead. But then again, we've seen Jericho in the BCC like a lot last year. So I don't show where I want that to happen, but yeah. yeah, And we kind of kill off the uh, Sammy Guevara feud with Jericho too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they could be testing the waters with a Jericho baby face turn or utilizing that in order to keep Sammy Guevara baby face and keep him united with Jericho instead of it being yeah, a feud true. between them. Um, the other option, which is a like a, a more just fantasy booking thing, just based on the players involved, would be uh, Chris Hero. 
Hmm. I actually didn't think about Hero, but he is doing some kind of like uh, training capacity or whatever with them, right? I believe so. Again, I haven't looked that deep into it, but it's mainly due to the relationship with Claudio, Claudio. that he has. So yeah. I think that, yeah, if they, again, especially if this was meant to be Brian Danielson and you're just looking for a substitute for a one off appearance, yeah, I'd. I'd I could definitely see them just saying, "Okay, we're not we're going to sign you to a full full time contract, but if you're up for it and you want to just be the fifth member on this big show, one off thing, and then ride off into the sunset afterwards, then you know I don't, I don't see why that wouldn't be a uh, a good option." Is there anybody that you think they could bring over from New Japan that would make sense? I mean, Osprey comes to mind because of the. Obviously, he was helped out Omega, by Don so. Callis, yeah, and uh, yeah, with Omega, if you are building towards another match between them, um, I don't know, but he's going. Well, well, and also the big, well, the big question about that as well is that well, G one's happening during Blood and Guts, so none of the big names that, are gonna, none of yeah. the big names gonna be available for this one. So yeah, they're not gonna risk one of their guys getting injured in a in a Blood and Guts match. And completely spoiling the G1 for them. So, so yeah, Osprey's the only one because he's a bit crazy and so would probably be willing to do that. But I think in the grand scheme of things, they, New Japan would not risk a single one of their performers to appear in uh, Blood and Guts. Because Osprey did come to mind for me, but I forgot about the whole G1 thing. You, you make a good point about that. The Jericho thing seems to be the obvious thing. So it's either they're just telling you that ahead of time to be like, look, it's probably just going to be Jericho because we need to replace Daniel and Sorry, everybody, but hey, it's Jericho. Or they've got a plan in mind where they want to do that as a swerve of just seems like it's going to be Jericho, but surprise, we got this guy. I don't know. Maybe they can play around with pulling out some other people from another company. Maybe they could do something like the Chris Hero thing, like you mentioned, or maybe they have somebody in their back pocket, but I don't think that there was any plan whatsoever that this was the goal. <laughs> I think that it was just flat out supposed to be Daniel said, and now they're like, oh, we got to figure something else out. But if it's Ibushi on the other side, that's great. And if it's Jericho, I mean, Jericho will put on his work and he'll end up being a good member of that team too. And I'm excited to see this match. I think it's going to be pretty damn good. Oh yeah. But yeah, this is uh, definitely something worth getting excited over. I mean, we're only we're less than two weeks away from it now. So, so next week we'll probably, I think I, I think next week we're going to find out who the other member of the BCC is going to be locked in. And then I'd say that we're not going to find out until the day of that Ibushi is part of uh, the Elite State. Depends on if they want to save that surprise for like, we want to hype up Blood and Guts more and tell people like, hey, Ibushi's going to be in this match. You really should tune in. And then they could do it ahead of time, or if they want to kind of build it based off of that mystique of like everybody kind of thinks it's going to be Ibushi, and let's let's not let anybody know because they might want to tune in just because of the mystery, you know? Yeah, I think that they've shown in the past that if they're willing, if they're willing to tease something hard enough that they know it's going to happen, they won't go with the you know the full outright Ibushi is in this match. I think they trust their fans to be smart enough to know that that that's what we're giving you. So just make sure you're there to add a little bit of you know, some element of mystique and surprise to it. So let's wrap around with some of this TV talk then. And uh, anything else that happened on dynamite that you feel is worth um, breaking down in uh, super big detail. We had like 
for Baker um, versus Ruby Soho for the Owen Hart uh, quarterfinals. That ended up being uh, Ruby Soho winning that, mm-hmm. which I think we all kind of thought was going to be the case. I don't know for sure if we we all predicted that 100%, but I think that we were kind of leaning towards that. Um, yeah. Got not- some random mishmash tag teams from the whole uh, blind draw thing. That was kind of fun. Yeah, we can talk about that in regards to um, some of the Rampage spoilers as well in terms of what's building up for next week. So the Blind Eliminator Tag Tournament was kind of one of the through lines of this show. And so they had the opening match, which was where Strickland and Keith Lee versus Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy, which was a match considering the fact that one of the teams was doing the whole can they coexist, not in the whole can they coexist. These guys clear, have shown they can't coexist, but they're going <laughs> to have to team together anyway. And this had... Like, no right to be as good as it was, but it was just unbelievably awesome. And uh, I'd, I'd say that this is probably one of Keith Lee's best performances since joining AEW. I thought he was just throwing people around all over the place, like, like the best that he can. And then, there, obviously, it led to confusion between the, the uh, two warring tag team partners and Darby Allen ended up getting the pin on Swerve Strickland. I think also we should probably build off of that because... Um, just this particular match because then there was a video package that aired after this match uh, hyping up the arrival of Nick Wayne to AEW who he'll be making his debut next week on Dynamite against West Strickland so that's good to see that them continue on with they gave him that like pre-contract contract before and yeah. they're following through yeah, so they basically said he's now 18 and he's going to get his big match and they t- just had a whole promo of like Darby Allen talking about how this kid's got really special and the fact that he was trained by uh, Nick Wayne's father. So he, and like, he's always going to be there and he's the one that's like looking out for uh, Nick. So, and I know that Swerve and Nick have had um, matches before in the past as well on the independent circuit. So I'm sure they're going to work really well together. I I would doubt that um, they're going to give Nick a win over Swerve Strickland straight away. Just, that's just my expecting that they'll just go with the, more established name, but just have um, Wayne's debut be, you know, make him look really good in defeat. Uh, they could but, do something with like Keith Lee being ringside and to, cause they still haven't done that. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland blow off. No. And it might be like, Oh, Keith Lee is there to support his blind draw tag team partner. And then that leads to some kind of argument. And then Nick Wayne gets a, you know, roll up win or something. They could play around with that. Potentially. I'd kind of hope they would continue to like, you know, not have Swerve get beaten like a drum as much as he has been. <laughs> so, um, yeah, nothing, no one really need to talk about this whole, the acclaimed match against the blade and the yeah, Bollywood boys. Nothing so happened there. Like, <laughs> um, we had Adam then, Cole and MJF beat the butcher and Matt Menard. Yeah. So that team would, that you wouldn't anticipate. That's kind of the whole point. So um, the whole there was so many segments of MJF and Adam Cole throughout the entire show of them doing the whole um, getting together at a health center and like yeah, gym and they were uh, yeah working out together the, and... yeah, yeah doing the bed press thing MJF being like overly friendly with Adam Cole and then they made some he made some jokes about some uh, overweight guy that was training and Cole basically said hey you can't say that sort of things about him and then they both looked at each other and said but no he does remind me of someone they both <laughs> said. Tony Schiavone. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're bonding over that they don't both don't like Schiavone. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, and then they had a tag match, and you had MJF come out and do the Roderick Strong poses with Adam Cole. So he really, <laughs> again, just going 
ham-fisting it. And then the funniest part of this, outside of just like, hit, like the whole crazy stuff that's happening, because they did like some spot with an abdominal stretch where MJF lent his hand out and said, Uncle, like, Cole, use, uh, grab my hand so we can add more pressure to this abdominal stretch. And Cole immediately said, no, I'm not going to do it. And then and then MJF started a chant of saying, do it, do it. And then Cole does grab it. But then later on, when Cole is running wild and he's about to get the victory, he's about to drop the boom. And then MJF reaches his hand out and says, tag me, double clothesline. And then, because the whole thing was being built around the fact that he wants to hit a double clothesline, that to be their finisher. And Cole <laughs> said, no. And then he hit the boom and then got the victory for them. So they advanced and then MGF did a big birthday celebration for Adam Cole afterwards and sung to him and. Cole put his face in the cake and MJF just laughed about it and said, Hey, you got me good buddy. And Cole basically then said, uh, is he might in a very sincere way said, thank you very much for, uh, thank you, my friend. Yeah. yeah. So I think the long, the story for this is that they're going to, well, I think the story they're telling is that MJF in his attempt to manipulate Cole to make sure he doesn't defend the title or doesn't want to face into the title anymore is going to actually start to want to hang out with Cole become friends with him and Cole is then going to you know do the whole MJF thing of like he's just the, the I think the whole narrative they're telling is that Adam Cole is the one guy that MJF can't manipulate yeah like yeah. he is going to spin it right back around yeah. and end up being like the one with the the upper hand despite how MJF is very clearly just throwing himself 100% into this to screw up the tag uh, the title situation yeah. I mean and I, th- I think it's just going to be the story of MJF's like throwing so much and playing it on so thick that Cole obviously sees right through it. But Cole is going to feel like he is embracing it, and MJF in that time is actually going to become more friendly with Cole and actually, okay, wow, I really would want to be a tag team with this guy. I think this is this really working out well. And then and then Cole is going to go, yeah, fuck you, and take him out. And so MJF's going to have to suffer kind of like his own like broken heart and betrayal and that's going to make him pissed off and want to face Adam Cole for the title. And so Cole gets hit what he wants and MGF has like, just like turned into his own trap. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It means the next week we're getting uh MGF and Adam Cole versus uh, orange Cassidy and Darby Allen in the semifinals. Um, we might as well talk about what happened with the other teams that were drawn. So they announced that uh, one of the tag teams, in this will be Matt Hardy and Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, I liked how they did that too with, uh, you've got Jeff. Oh, Jarrett. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so I just need to get up the rampage spoilers quickly, just so I can remember entirely. I know they lost. That's all. I, that's what I know. That, <laughs> so, uh, let's see. Where's the rampage spoilers. There they are. Um, so yeah, they took on, uh, Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara, who we also found out would be a tag team conveniently, two members of the Jericho Appreciation Society teaming up in this, uh, random blind eliminator. But, um, yeah, so Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara defeat, oh, again, spoilers, but I've already said they lost anyway, but it's fine. So Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara, yeah, as you'd expect, would beat uh, Matt Hardy and Jeff Jarrett. So they will be advancing into the, uh, other match, which we, uh, which is going to be, um, the other match is Brian Cage and Big Bill defeated Trent Barrera and Matt Seidel. So they've got like these two giant guys teaming together in Cage and Bill. So they're going to be taking on Garcia and. Oh, actually, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember if that's actually the right way around. 
because it's one of the issues with this tournament is that it's so blind they haven't even actually given they never actually put any brackets out there yeah i was just gonna say like i don't remember coming across a bracket but so i'm trying to remember so it could be like darby allen and orange cassidy against sammy guevara and um no no, that's definitely the one the one thing i do know for certain is that they're not facing each other in the semi-finals because i'm 100 percent certain that's probably going to be the finals hmm um, I just don't. I don't remember whether it's uh, Cassidy and Allen against MJF and Cole, or, or if it's Bill and uh, yeah Cage. Yeah, I just need to. Um, it, yeah, unfortunately, these uh, rampage spoilers aren't giving me the clear indication of that. So, wait say we well, at least we know that those are the four teams that are in the semi-final. I still think that it's leaning very heavily towards. Um, Allen and Cassidy versus Guevara and Garcia. I think Garcia and Guevara have got this locked up. To, to win uh, the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they make no sense. They've already like established, I wouldn't say like partnership, but they're part of the same group. And, you know, they're facing FTR. The winners face FTR for the tag titles. They're heels. It just makes sense. Like, the only yeah. Thing, I mean, yeah. it makes more sense than Allen and Cassidy doing that for sure. I could see it potentially being some kind of like let's do Cole and MJF just to kind of separate them a little bit more, or like be. put some focus on that, and you know they could play around with that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it would be out of the question, but um, but yeah, at the moment I'm leading towards Garcia and Guevara being the uh, the winners of the tournament. Um, but yeah, that that was probably the most um the most notable stuff from yeah from uh, Dynamite. So. So yeah, and obviously they had the uh, the main event which led into the stuff about Blood and Guts, which is uh, Kenny Omega defeated Wheelie Utah in a, another good match. But uh, yeah, and there was like a whole beat down at the end involving like the Dark Order and BCC. So so yeah, we'll see how that builds up towards Blood and Guts because I'm, I'm anticipating it's going to be quite a big show next week in terms of the build towards that. And yeah, very excited for what we're going to see in the next couple of weeks. I'm backtracking a little bit to NXT and to Raw. Uh, NXT was pre-recorded, so to be perfectly honest, I didn't bother to watch most of it because I was like, you know, I don't feel like I need to. And um, we talked about the spoilers ahead of time and all. The big thing that came out of that mostly was that the Creed Brothers had lost their NXT Loser Leaves NXT match, which maybe they come up to the main roster, maybe they don't. We haven't found out any more information about that yet as far as, like, they haven't been announced for SmackDown tonight or anything. Um, of course, Eddie Thorpe and Damon Kemp had their NXT Underground match and blah, blah, blah. Uh, as I said, we already talked about that, so we don't need to really get too deep into that. But the current setup that they have for next week, they're going to have Lucian Price and Bronco Nima make their true NXT debut. They've been on there before, but, you know, they ignore that all the time. We got Stax and Joe Coffey against each other with this whole Tony D'Angelo thing. This is a mess. And it went from an interesting enough little, like, oh, I wonder what they're going to do here to, I don't think they have any idea what they're doing. And I want it to just be over with. I, I'm not into dragging out this whole thing and, and all. I just want Stax and Tony D to just win the tag titles and move on. I don't know if that's the game plan at the end of the day. I'm down for that more than anything else, though. Um, Ivy Nile is going to fight Tiffany Stratton in a non-title match, so you know how that goes. If she wins the non-title match, the whole point of it being a non-title match was to have set it up so she could fight her again and lose. Tiffany Stratton could just win. 
it is what it is. And we're going to get Andre Chase and Duke Hudson against Drew Gulak and Charlie Dempsey to carry on that story. So some interesting stuff, but not the biggest, most uh, bombastic episode of NXT that they're advertising. I'm anticipating that the ratings aren't going to be all that great when it comes to that. SmackDown tonight. We've got Karrion Cross against AJ Styles. Sheamus is going to go up against Austin Theory with the U.S. title in the mix. Edge is going to be on the Grayson Waller effect. And I don't know if that means that they're planning on doing Edge versus Grayson Waller at SummerSlam. Because the SummerSlam card's starting to get a little booked up from these matches that they're kind of at least somewhat setting up. Like, it seems like we're going to get Ricochet versus Logan Paul. Obviously, there's something with... Roman Reigns and Jey Uso. They're going to do this um, tribal court thing tonight. Basically, SmackDown tonight is going to be 15 minutes of talking to set up 15 minutes of talking. So you already took out a third, uh, almost a third of the show from commercials and that. And then the Grayson Waller thing is going to be a talking segment. So either that becomes a match to set up for SummerSlam or it just is a promo for the sake of it. And then Two matches. I'm going to kind of skip through a little bit of SmackDown tonight, I think. I don't uh, I don't think it's going to be the most like um, important show in the world to watch. But seems like that they're leading towards Raquel Rodriguez against Rhea Ripley for SummerSlam. Right after they gave them the titles back for the Women's Tag Team Championship, which I think that that's kind of a mistake. And I also think that Rhea's not set up the best, or Raquel's not set up the best right now to fight Rhea. Like, nobody would believe that Raquel would win that match right now. I think they should have waited for that if they do it. But on Raw, the interesting thing, more than anything else, I think, we got some matches here and there that are just like, yeah, Matt Riddle beats Giovanni Vinci and uh, Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville won a tag team turmoil match, which they pretty much just flat out won, like, straightforward without cheating much i thought that was kind of interesting but um you know seth rollins opened up the show and it was immediately interrupted by cody who was immediately or not immediately interrupted by cody he was interrupted by cody but immediately brock lesnar comes out and interrupts cody then they go to a commercial break and it's back to seth rollins to talk about the judgment day and all i thought this was clunky as all hell and i didn't like it I don't know why Cody comes out for the Seth Rollins thing to get beaten up by Brock and to bite, beat Brock up and then to just not carry forward. But this was a show that wasn't run by Triple H. It was a Bruce Pritchard show, which maybe that was a little part of it. Maybe not. I think a lot of the stuff happening right now in WWE is a little messy with setting up SummerSlam where you kind of can see where they're going, but they don't know how they want to get there. We knew for a while now Cody versus Brock is going to happen at SummerSlam. We've known that since pretty much right after WrestleMania. It seems like it's pretty obvious Becky Lynch versus Trish is just going to be Becky versus Trish and not including Lita and Zoe Stark, but maybe Lita pops up to help or something. I don't know. But a lot of this is just sort of, we're in a holding pattern and I'm not feeling it. <laughs> that's not the worst that they've ever done but it does give me that like yeah it would be better if you don't watch the next couple weeks and then you just watch SummerSlam kind of vibe now since you're not watching 
how does this sound to you? Does it sound like anything that you're like, I missed out on that? Or does it sound very much in the same way of like, yeah, I think that SummerSlam will be a lot better if I don't watch anything prior to it. I think the the WWE TV in general is quite, what was that, unwatchable. But it's not designed to be sat down and, like, no, like, they put it on three hours. It's actually not designed to be watched three hours. It's designed to be consumed in a series of uh, tweets and YouTube clips. Uh, yeah, so, kind of. So I'm sure I could just, like, check out a couple of those and just be immediately caught up on everything that happened. And I wouldn't have had to waste uh, an entire evening to do so. So, um, so yeah, I'm not saying, I'm definitely not um, inspired or particularly interested in checking out any of that stuff because I'll see it in a video package when I watch SummerSlam. So, mm. so, so yeah, I'm definitely not going to be going back and checking any of that stuff out with any great interest. And even the stuff that does set up potential things for the future, like Damian Priest was going to potentially cash in on Seth Rollins, then Balor came out and had a whole miscommunication and all, which maybe that leads to Priest trying to cash in and then they have a triple threat, or maybe it leads to something else between those like just priest against Balor and Rollins fight somebody else or whatever. But the little things like that, that do continue on the story do essentially feel like that. I need to watch Seth Rollins fight Dominic just to set that up for as long as it took to do that segment. Or is that something that some friend of mine would just text me and let me know. And I think that they need to kind of, play a little into the you should watch <laughs> this show because it's a tv show i mean they lose track of that sometimes but every show should be the best show that they can put on i don't think any other tv show you know pro wrestling is a weird thing to begin with but you shouldn't approach it with the idea of like well you don't need to really watch it to enjoy it Cause I don't get that sense from, you know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia is going to make every episode. They're going to try to make it as funny as they can. Or, uh, I watched, uh, I finished watching silo. Like that show was not like, Oh, you could skip a couple of them and you'll, you'll get the story later with a previously on silo. Like, no, you're supposed to watch the show. And I don't know when they give you Rhea Ripley against Natalia again. And, this is supposed to be like a star performance for Natalia. And it's really just that they had a match. There's not much more to it. Natalia lost again. She put up a better fight than she did the last time, but that's not saying much because she got her ass kicked the last time. So if that's the star making performance, Oh my God, we've it's taken us a month to get around to this, to just have Natty put up an actual fight against Rhea. I don't think I needed to wait a month for that. I think that that would have just been one match that would have happened five weeks ago and we would have just moved on and nobody would have cared. So there's not much more to get into. There's little bits and information here and there, like Champa and Miz and McIntyre and Gunther and all, but outside of like, Hey, Ronda Rousey definitely seems like the heel. <laughs> there's not really uh, too much going on. So uh, that's kind of the week. In pro wrestling i don't think that we're missing anything else that's going on that's too crazy apologies for the sirens apparently we've got like four fire trucks going on right now Jeez, that's awful uh i think we're covering everything but if we didn't drop your uh 
suggestions in the comments below. We'll try to chime in and kind of respond in that way. And we've got other stuff coming up over these next couple of weeks. Some of it's pre-recorded. Some of it, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, I don't know what the next main event's going to be. I might end up doing my fantasy booking of the ultimate night of champions card because I did kind of just work on that on my own time separately, you know, a couple days ago and sorted that out. So maybe I'll end up uh, recording that, putting that up for everybody to listen to. Maybe we do something else. I don't know. Maybe I'll just bump up that top rope list and then we'll play around with something like that. Cause that's currently scheduled for uh, two weeks from now. If you stay tuned to the channel, you'll figure it out <laughs> once we figure it out and all. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously if you stick around here, you should be sticking around on all the other kind of things like go to a mango tree.com. You'll see plenty of different links all over there for everything from the smart out moment stuff to stuff like the blueprint project over on fanboysanonymous.com. Go back and check out the Batman, a nighttime story, 100 records from the Wayne foundation archives. If you are a Batman fan, of course, if you're not check it out anyway, you know, show me some support on that end. And there's my personal accounts at Tony mango and all mostly throughout the whole thing. I am up on threads now. I don't like it. <laughs> I do have a blue sky account. I don't like it. I've got a hive account. I don't do anything with it. I've got a mastodon account. I haven't touched it since I created it. But, you know, any of these blow up, if any of these become a whole big thing, then you can find me all over those. And if you don't know where to find me on them, then tweet at me or, you know, put something on Facebook or leave a comment. I don't know. Whatever it is, you can reach out. You can find it. I'll have it up on infinimango.com in some fashion. So find me all there. Find Rob, who's not here, but he's at Dude Felice. That'll be coming up eventually on his one website. Make sure you're following Callum as well. You can find me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. You can check out the Power Rankings every Saturday. So if you're listening to this on Saturday, then check it out. It'll be on live either soon or maybe even right now. Over at SmartCamera.com where I rank the uh, WWE superstars from uh, 1 to 10 based on their performances during the week. And this will incorporate uh, the results of Money in the Bank. So you're probably likely to see uh, Judgment Day and what remains at the moment of damage control uh, prominently featured on there based on their performances. And then you can also check out the Fantasy League, which was also affected by Money in the Bank with our teams getting added to and plenty of points being scored there. Head to www.fantasyleague.com or you can find it just by clicking through the Smart Cut Moment website to see how our teams are performing. All right, everybody, that's going to do us in for episode 605. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And we'll see you next time with whatever the next video is. <laughs> Adios for now, though. We will see you next time. This has been another Smart Out Moment, and we are being counted out.